Robert Chromian's on the podcast, and I'm so excited because not only is he one of the most iconic hairdressers to ever live, um, but also he's a great friend of mine and a mentor. I've got the, the opportunity to be able to spend time with him, uh, not only in the salon, but seeing him from a distance, um, then seeing him up close and being able to be around him and being in the inner circle. I think it's been so incredible. He's probably one of the, uh, the most innovative leaders that this industry has ever seen. And I'm so happy, Robert, to have you on the podcast. Well, first of all, it is me. I don't have a hat on in case people don't recognize me, the cat without a hat. I thought I'd show real deep concern here for the topic we're going to chat about. Uh, and I didn't want people to get focused on my hat. I want to focus on the words and the actions that, you know, you and I are like-minded. I think what's really great when you think about this, Kelly, we're all for once in the beauty industry in the same bucket, <laughs> every one of us. Whether you're a freelancer, you know, whether you work from your own home, whether you've got a salon, multiple salons like you and I, uh, if you're a chain salon, I mean, this is an equalizer. So the reality here is through crisis, we can change our behaviors. That's what I'm looking forward to most. Right now, it's chaos. Uh, my wife's doing a lot of the work. You'll actually hear in the background, rescheduling appointments. Optimistically, I will add, uh, not that I believe that when we say we may be open April 1st, I don't believe that at this point in time. But it is an opportunity, and what we have to do is to look at it that way and, of course, take care of one another as we go through it. So, um, you know, we had a great chat this morning. I just want to continue that and put some things out there. And this would not necessarily be how Paul Mitchell feel about something. This is how I feel as Robert Crummy's the salon owner, and it's what I feel for my staff. So these are people employed by our company, part of our team. So, you know, we won't keep the owner's hat on much, but I will reflect to certain things that are happening right now that, I see thousands of questions on the internet, and I think we could clear some of those up, Kelly, uh, you know, uh, get some opinions out there. So what do you see as the, I mean, obviously the most pressing question, um, if you're, if, if number one is you don't know who Robert is, you, you've lived under a rock for your whole life, um, but in the event um, that you don't understand and know what's going on, the climate of our, of our culture right now, and the pressing question that everybody wants to know, Robert, is... What do you think about Justin Bieber's song, Yummy? It's a cracker. I do, <laughs> I do like a bit of Justin Bieber. Uh, I don't know. if I, I, I like the older version. I like his little mustache he's wearing right now. I think he's off his head. Um, but I find his music quite catchy. You know me, Kelly. I'm pretty musical. Uh, I love music, how it can make you think of stuff. I use it a lot to drive shows. Uh, so I'm a big fan. And I, I love pop music. I, I like a bit of Jonas Brothers. Uh, I'm on into big Post Malone a bit, you know. I like Posty. Yes. I'd go see him. We could do beer pong together. That gives you an idea who Robert Cummings and I could play beer pong with Posty and beat him. <laughs> He's not a. I was an original rock star. <laughs> so with with all the questions that are going on around the coronavirus and it's affected our industry, I think the one thing that I would like to be able to change. The one thing. This is off topic, but I would love to be able to change with this is I would like to become a, an essential business. I think we should pass a bill that salons are an essential business because people need to be groomed. There's the only uh, business in the whole entire world that makes you feel good on the inside and look beautiful on the outside is us. But what are the most pressing questions that you're getting right now with this coronavirus going from a salon owner, from a stylist, and just from an icon and a leader in our industry? Well. You know, for me as a business owner, I'm responsible for 40, 50 hairdressers. So my first responsibility is to the team. 
So we actually had to lay off our team. They're on unemployment. Some of them didn't even know how to fill out the forms because let's be honest, Kelly, how many hairdressers have ever been unemployed? It's not a common thing, you know? So the reality of just the little stepping stones and right now we're in the kind of chaotic mode, which is awesome. Uh, as we kind of get through that, we get to move on to other things. But things that matter to me in my business are what's, you know, keeps me up late at night anyway. Rent, uh, in this particular location, we have a massive rent number. Uh, reaching out to landlords. One landlord I do business with said he'll give me 50% off for three months. If this lasts longer than three months, what do I do? And where do I get the 50% from? Uh, so I'm just saying, am I feeling, and this is just me, I'm not an attorney, your brother is. I am not paying a penny to my landlord until this is, you know, till we're past it. And I figure if they take me to court, there's going to be 7 million people in front of me with bigger claims. I just think the likelihood of getting caught on this, and it's not to keep and embezzle the money. It's being truthful and honest. If you're my partner and you're my guy, my landlord, uh, we're in this together. And my loss, unfortunately, is your loss. And we hope to recover the business. And I'm confident when we get to that portion, we can. But at the same time, this is where partnership comes in thick. And to me, I cannot possibly pay overhead when the business is not bringing in dollars. So, you know, it's an interesting scenario to be in. Uh, legal, I've checked with my lawyers a bit. I mean, I am not completely doing this blindly, uh, but I'm just saying we're in a state of, you know, chaos right now. And I think we have to really adjust of what is the priority and not just, so if we take care of the staff, that's awesome, but taking care of yourselves, you know? I could see owners out there probably taking all the money out of their bank account to help everybody else and be ending up living on canned tuna. Uh, it's just one of those things we've got to think of long-term. How long could we manage on our own without these businesses bringing in revenue? And that's the part we have to bear in mind. And as I say, we'll get into the strategies of what we can do once we do get back into business because I get very titillated by that, Kelly. Well, I, I think that one of the things that is always, you know, uh, for those of you uh, joining us too, um, I followed this young man for two and a half years before I actually got the chance to work with him. So I owe him what attracted me to you the most was that you had the tendency to look at chaotic things of challenges and you almost uh, stayed calm and you were able to look at those challenges as opportunities. Take us through how a thing like this, the coronavirus that's locking down places, where do you see opportunity in this and where do you see, because you always have the rose colored glasses that you do have on today, um, you know, but like, take us through that and help us to understand how you put yourself in that mindset every day. Because every time I talk to you on any subject, you're always telling me, like, you're, you're giving me practical application, which I love, but you're also giving me something to look forward to. Well, you know, I, I want to be clear. I, I've got salons like you do. So moving into it, kind of like the virus attacks people in ill health anyway. Uh, the attack that we're seeing right now, Kelly, is going to happen to businesses that weren't that healthy. That's my biggest concern right now. So as we kind of look at the upsides, if you look at not being healthy, what things could we have done in our day-to-day -day operation to make us healthy? So I think it's time to kind of regroup. We've got an, a, a pause. We hit video pause for a while where we can actually go look at our businesses. Uh, yesterday, I had a home play for my wife, and I come up with 30 or 40 things we could do to change our business practices. Uh, I wish I could move the phone around and give you a tour of the store. We already took out every other chair. So as I move forward over the epidemic to a brand new world, 
clients are going to be germaphobic. They're not going to want to meet in big groups or groups side by side like the way we've built stores, chair by chair, every square foot. I think we've got to space the business out. We've got to rethink of the merchandising area uh, to create new captures, to imagine a business with 30 and percent and above retail sales uh, and including the staff of perhaps paying them more on their uh, commissions if that's what you use if it's hourly uh, and using the benefit of selling a lot of product to actually help our stores thrive so for me I came up with 30 things and I swear I didn't spend but two hours on it uh, from you know everything we do re-looking at how we shampoo uh, getting to a, a, a call center uh, having people never wait taking chairs on for people to wait because why do i really want to have people wait i want to move it into the service side of the business thank you for coming here so we're kind of working with a concierge that's going to start moving clients throughout the salon so really i have a chance while the business is on idle to reconceive it and if you think okay well you're a business owner i could see where you think of that the first thing is going to happen get the team involved they're going to have to come in and help me dream this up and I said this to you earlier, and I've already come up with a slogan, in a crisis, raise your prices. <laughs> but you better be nice. Because to me, what we got to understand is slow the machine down. Don't double, triple book. You and I talked about this today. You know, so many hairdressers are trying so hard to get to the next guest, and you're not really giving the love and attention. I think what we're all learning, guest and hairdresser, we can get guilty of taking each other for granted. This is a great opportunity for us to celebrate the guest and I think slowing it down, we're going to go to seven days a week and really give the client the opportunity to come in and relax and rejuvenate, which they have dearly missed. I bet you if I was to ask a client on the street the five things they missed the most out of quarantine, we'd be in that top five somewhere. So, you know, I think there's a lot of faith in the future and time to think about it, you know. Our business on, is on pause. I'm not paying my landlord. Uh, if I can get the team involved, we can Martha Stewart the whole freaking place and reconceive our salon. And so when they do come in, first of all, there should be a grand opening party. And when they do come in, I want them to be so stunned of what we've done with the place in their absence that already that momentum comes in. I think salons have to get smart of creating that new take-home culture habit. Uh, which is a critical one. And if, why not start now? Uh, I felt from my team, um, the most love and joy I've had in a long time from being the boss. Uh, so it's a beautiful thing. I think people are prepared to do what's necessary. And I think that's what's really exciting about the recovery plan as we move through this. And it's a case of time. Uh, I talked to you about this, Matthew McConaughey, who I love, did a little thing, uh, a minute 44 on his uh, YouTube channel. And the sum of it was we're at a red light and eventually the light will turn green. That's the only timing window I can give you. And what I love about that is you think when you're at a light and it's not turning for you, how impatient you get, like, is this light ever gonna turn? It's only been a minute, Kelly, you're going nuts. So all I know is it will turn, and when it does turn, what are we gonna to do to be different, to imagine a whole different workplace? And you could get into all sorts of things from your systems, from your best practices, your procedures. Sanitation is gonna be a thing that clients look for. Uh, you and I know this one because we started our salon this way. Uh, we Every brush is sanitized and rewrapped in saran wrap. Are we with me? Now, some of my green people said, let's stop that. And I was like, okay, you know, I go with the popular vote. But the reality is now we're doing it and everybody sees value in it. Uh, it's a time to repurpose, rethink, reimagine, 
We can paint the place for no money. We can do so many creative things with creative people, take advantage of the downtime. Uh, you and I talk about education, you know, home play, what you could learn online, but it's, it's beyond that. I think we can retool the whole machine, like a factory closing down, being retooled to make something else. So I'm very optimistic. That's the way the energy can go as we settle in from the first week, you know, 10 days of disruption, uh, which we're already, I think, halfway through. So that, was my, that was my short answer. Well, I love that. So take us through, too, because I think that there's, there's people out there, there's students listening, uh, there's stylists listening, and then there's owners. So let's tackle all three, uh, three aspects. Uh, from a student perspective, maybe they're in school and, you know, they're, they're thinking, um, you know, maybe I'm halfway through or I'm a quarter of the way through. Maybe this isn't for me because I hit this hurdle. What is the advice that you give to that kid? Well, this, you know, I'm a bit of a gambling man, Kelly. I came to America with a hundred bucks in my pocket. I think you drove out with some shit in your car to come work for me. Uh, we're gamblers. We're visionaries are gullible. So I, I believe in the tomorrow land, and I'd like every future professional listening to this to understand that you're going to be in higher demand than ever before when we come out of this. So, for example, when I talk about the downtime, Kelly, I'd like to start hiring, training, start doing stuff, planting the seeds. So when this heavy door opens, we're not just acting like a crazy Saturday. We're coming in like uh, experts, and we're coming in with nothing but service in mind. And I think clients are going to rejuvenate themselves. They're going to come in more often. They're going to tip bigger. They're going to want to hug what we want. But you get the idea. So now's the time to practice. And there's some great things on the school network. Obviously, paulmitchellpro.com. Tons of content up there. There's study. Uh, I wish I had, you know, I can send some, some hashtags. Uh, people who will blow your mind on the internet. This is the time to self-study. And not just watching shit. This is not Netflix, people doing stuff get a doll head section a million times because that's how many times i've sectioned and if you want to be good you better start sectioning hair you need target practice so even if you're not cutting hair just knowing how to section a doll head and whip it into shape you've got to practice get your foil work down to a a record-breaking time post it on youtube and get some followers from it um you know work on your pace so it's about actions uh, not just watching Richard Simmons getting fit and thinking you're losing pounds, you know? That's a good oldie for, for, my, for my fans out there. <laughs> so what, what, about to the, uh, what about to the stylist? I mean, we've got stylists in both sides. We've got the independent side, uh, the, you know, the, the booth. Well, let me do this because I, yeah, I was in touch with Colin Caruso, another good colleague of both of ours, uh, and he was in a, a little bit of a funk. And my wife turned to me while we were working on this crazy thing and said, when are you going to turn into Robert Cromie? <laughs> Meaning I wasn't quite responding like the true leader I'm supposed to be. But I would say in my defense, I was gathering intel. The one thing I know is not to get too emotional about things. So I may be sort of slow to a fault. But once I start to hear, and I spoke to some of the most credible people in the beauty industry also before I formed some of these valuable opinions. That's the advantage of being me. And these are like-minded business owners that have very successful businesses. Some for me, which is very helpful in California, Kerry Davis, that we can kind of bounce through and just check on the legalities and what we're doing. Is it right? And what we're worried about. And I think, you know, this is a great sign for the industry already, regardless of the manufacturers we're attached to are starting to put some commonality into the business. So, 
to the style of things that you think you do so well? What could you improve if you really thought about it? And I think this is where we can reconceive our game plan and create a new habit as we come back to work. Not going back as the old Kelly, coming in as a different individual, so appreciative, so grateful, and so ready to make a difference in these people's lives. And this is a, that's why I bring up prices. We don't charge enough, and maybe it's because we don't do enough. <laughs> you know, you and I yapped about this. Uh, you know, if you, Kelly Gardena, is capable of doing 16 to 20 hands a day, could focus on six, I think the outcome would be the same. Now, the big difference would be the touch point, the touch that you make happen, three people can't replace. I was watching some interview tactics, and uh, it said, don't hire three good ones, hire the best one. You know, it's not about how many we've got. We've got to kind of slow down. And if you're trying to build loyalty in your clientele, the pass-off, it's not like absolutely the way to do it. I also want to talk about the stacking. You know, we're not the airlines, air traffic control, stacking the plane. Stop stacking the clients. Let's give them more quality time. Take them more into the thing that you and I believe in, which is experience. And for that, I think that's what people will pay for. It's not the great touch-up and did it give you 100% great coverage. It's more than that. We both know that and we know it to be true. So, you know, when I think about what we can do to be better service providers, that's what we got to think on. And that's where my mind went, you know, from Wash House, which is a system that we invented years ago. Um, I remember we made a video, Kelly, maybe you remember it when I did the sparkling water. And this is the sexiest video you've ever seen. But my team took a challenge to add treatment to our menu. And we really didn't make any as a company. And they got so creative with sugar scrubs and we created about $100,000 in revenue from really nothing that was on the board, nothing on the menu, just by getting excited about what we do every day, shampooing. That's where I want to turn back the time to. Let's recommit to what we stand for and, you know, as well as reimagine what we could be. And I think that's what the industry's got to do. So as a stylist, this is self-reflection time and with thanks to quarantine, you're full of self-reflection time. But we know we can be better people. And sometimes other people to tell you is awesome. But why not just be honest with yourself? What could I be better at, Kelly? Could I be a better with a clipper? Could I be better with highlights? What do I need to self-study? What can I work on while I got this time? time? So when I come back, I'm not the same fuddy-duddy I was before I went there. I'm not just talking to people that do hair. I'm talking to myself. I want to take it to a level that people didn't only miss us, they can't believe they could run life without them. And, you know, we are the first social place ever. Forget a coffee shop, that just gets you crazy. This is where people come. And I think you're probably in Brooklyn the same thing. People are calling us, wanting us to still do their hair. There's still an urgency. And I can't wait to open up those phone lines in a few whatever from now when that light turns green and just watch what we can do to dazzle the people. It's like we've opened a brand new Disneyland and we're gonna unveil it and people are gonna come running in. So what is our Walt Disney type of vision? What could it be? What could it be? Because right now we have the time to rethink about ourselves. And I think that's the beautiful upside uh, of this whole situation. So, you know, everybody's affected too, our sales consultants, our distribution networks. Um, so this is not just a hat that the hairdresser wears. Um, but I will say that, you know, our company plan to do incredible things as we've done forever. Uh, JP is a natural humanitarian. Uh, he comes from that hippie era, him and Paul. Uh, so I believe in my company and I know we're going to do the right thing. Some of the stuff the team are talking about is mind blowing. 
and I just think that this is a real time to create that relationship for life. I got it in beauty school. I watched Paul Mitchell, the company said, that's where I'm going to be the rest of my life. And so far, I still been there 35 years. Uh, this can build loyalty because many people talk about being for the professional industry. This is a chance for our leadership and all avenues to step up and be present. Uh, I've seen Patron running a great ad of helping restaurants recover. Uh, I see Netflix is doing something for unemployed actors and actresses. You know, this is a time to do something and also to help these salons reimagine their businesses. So, you know, the internet's got all the retail sales, but what if we looked like Sephora? What if we looked like Ulta? What if we had a lot more product, a lot more opportunities, shop opportunities? You know, we can reconceive our business here and change the business model in the mainstream. That's almost impossible to do. Ask Blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're when I'm sponsored by Netflix yeah. <laughs> when you're looking at it do, do me a favor here because when like I love being around you and honestly like I I, I I could just sit and listen to you for hours and hours and that's the reason why I followed you as much as I have my whole career and my whole company is it's based off of the things that I wanted to honor you with you taught me um, tell these guys right now Give me three bullet points. Give me three things that a person could do right now that would be practical application for them in their lives. Bang, bang, bang. What could they do? Oh, I don't know, Kelly. Three bang, bang, bang. Let's see. The changes. Uh, and, 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 like, I, explain. I one, of them, one of them you said was have a grand opening party. Okay, well, that was genius. I mean, that's a bomb. Like, you drop the bomb and then you move up. Like, you drop bombs all the time and then you continue to move on. And it's like, have a grand opening party. Why would that be so important to a guest? Well, I think that the, the, the way we come into this is, again, it's a celebration. Uh, our stores are closed. We've got to surprise them when they come in the door. But, you know, this is a victory when we do get the permission to go ahead with business. This is a victory act. And I think it's like when the people get the green light on the NBA, they're going to be happy about it. Everybody's going to the first game. And so I just feel there's something here. And for the reputation that we used to have, they're all loyal, they're coming back. But what, what, what can we then do to wow them in their tracks and surprise them and wonder, you know, how they, how they could ever live without us? So I just think that um, working on a grand opening party, I think, is a, a simple one. Uh, and, you know, sometimes people are freelance hairdressers. Uh, you know, this is a one-on-one -on -one thing. You're just going to have a party with each and every guest. Uh, and, you know, I still want you to have that spirit. You know, you don't have to have a color bar to have color bar thoughts. Uh, so I think it's something we have to get into. The other thing I would just say to really honor, if you're a salon or a hairdresser and you work for a guy, uh, really fall in love with the art and the ability to sell and recommend take-home. Uh, the internet cannot make you scratch it, smell it feel it, apply it on your hair, show you how to use it. It's part of what makes the world go around. I think it'd be great if our teams understood the value it means to an owner. And I would just say to do it, you got to sound like an authority. And that can take practice, trying to read the brochure, doing a little role playing in front of the mirror. I know it sounds ridiculous, but this is often why I sound so smart. And trust me, I don't have a lot to work with. But through a good rehearsal and trying something on verbally a few times, I had to leave a message on our machine for the you know, the virus epidemic. And it took me five or six tries to get it to just the way I wanted it. Um, because I don't just do it off the cuff every time. So, you know, really understanding the value. And I'll tell you the biggest reason to sell products, Kelly, 
um, is really about loyalty. Clients come back more. There is data on this. So it's a reality of what you got to learn. And if you're going to work for guys like me and Kelly and others like us, this is how you pay it forward to us. This is how you honor the business. And it gets left behind a lot because we're so busy stacking them, stacking them, stacking them, getting the gratuity money, stacking them. And are we really understanding what the true value of a client is and what we're supposed to do is the, in our job. And, you know, that's the cracker right now. So I, I believe it is our responsibility to do. And I'm not doing that because I'm the Paul Mitchell guy. I'm saying it more as a salon owner. If you work here, it's your job. The guy at Walgreens tried to sell me candy bars every morning, every morning. i like, what do you think I am, a fatty? He said, it's my job, sir. And then he said, be well. And I said, you be well, young man. He said, that's, you know, that's the slogan of Walgreens. I didn't know that. So he's just doing his job. And we have a job and a responsibility. And we want clients to return. And uh, it's not a one-time situation. But I'm just saying, become knowledgeable. Know you're helping them. Um, I know we work with different things. But I love clients to describe to me their damage of their hair or the challenges they have. They give me every single item in the world. And I have solutions for it. Internet can't do that. So we've got a real position, and you and I talked about it this morning. Salons have never done good in take home, even though I come up with a clever name because it makes you think of taking it home, but we got to change that culture and now's the time to do it. So the internet isn't beating us up. We've been beating our own selves up for all these years. What I'm saying, let's step beyond it and imagine a business where there's 20 and 30% and rewards for all of us, Robin Hood and his merry men. Uh, which is, I think, the most important thing. And you and I have played with, you know, bonus strategies on your commission sales of take home. I've done everything. And I'm just saying, I got to give a more compelling reason to do it apart from it being their job. I've decided to find out a way of paying them to make this an indicator that reflects in their paycheck uh, on the service side, which is the part they care about. I don't know if I went too fast on that one. Oh, well, let's, let's dial that one back because that one, I think a lot of uh, stylists just, you know, perked up. And I think uh, salon owners were like, wait, 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 wait a second. So break this down because when I heard it at first, I said, I have to let it settle in. And then as I let it settle in, it made so much sense because from a salon owner, there's advantage from a stylist, but help us to understand. Well, I think that's what we got to really understand as leaders. We got to give the team buy-in more than anything else. So for years, we played with things from medical insurance, to all types of things that didn't push the needle didn't make the numbers go up. Um, certain performing products have made the needle go up, but when it came to the push of a hairdresser, not any reaction. So I'm just saying, what if we focus on the service revenue? What if you get paid five points more on your service dollar because you had a 20% take-home number? And in case you don't know who Kelly and I are, uh, retail, right? So take-home is what we call it, but I'm just saying it's retail sales. Uh, here's a little math thing for you, Kelly, because I know you love a little arithmetic. From the 80% of service profit, 20% of retail profit would be bigger in almost every salon scenario. Say that again for the people out there. Okay. So when you look at what a salon owner does for, let's just say a smaller salon, 400,000 in revenue. Yeah. yeah got it. The profit out of that 400,000 in service revenue will end up to a very small number. The yep. profit on the equivalency of 20% take home, would be the largest portion of profit in that business. It's the sleeping giant. It's the apple that fell off the tree. Uh, it's the one to focus on. And uh, I was just at Cash Camp with Lauren's team for Inspiring Champions. 
they had a, a bit to say on this subject, but to me, I have more buying power because of the volume we use, et cetera, et cetera. So it is in my best interest. So if you can get good buying power, take advantage with consultants on good deals, boxes of stuff, the more you can increase your margin, the more you can sell. I'm just saying, let's not focus on the commission check of the take home. It hasn't worked. Let's wonder what we could do to inflate the way they can make more money, which is what every hairdresser asks me at every single hair show. And if this is a way that they can see themselves making five more points, that could be a different of you keeping a loyal hairdresser. Not only are you keeping one, they don't have a gun to your head. You've got one you're keeping this performing and actually contributing to your bottom line every day, which let's keep all of those. And the people that don't are going to see the reward of saying, well, well, I want to get paid premium. I'm going to do that too. Uh, it's just a little bit of effort. It's about a pinky's worth is what I reckon. A pinky's worth of attention from hairdressers would make this happen. It's not even a 10, an effort of 10. An effort of one would make it happen. You, you used to say it all the time. You used to call it a digit. Uh, so, and I always loved that. Well, the first time I heard it, I didn't know what you were talking about. And I saw it all the time. So help us speak to the guest right now, because, it, you know, there are people out there that are listening to the podcast. I've got everybody. I've got stylists. I've got uh, business owners from all over the place. I've got people who own, you know, multinational companies, things like that. And so from a guest perspective, sell me, Robert, sell me why I should buy my shampoo with you at a salon as opposed to I could click it on Amazon, I could go to Rite Aid, I could go to Walmart, I could go to Ulta. Why should I buy it with my hairdresser? Well, I think you'd probably be the best spokesperson for that particular comment. But I would just say you've got it. It's like sponsorship. It's like adopt a freeway. I've seen a lot of speculation, and you and I had a little chat about it earlier. The gift certificate. My only fear with that, Kelly if I get my clients to buy gift certificates and then they redeem them, when I really have just started bringing in clients again and the first barrage that come in don't spend money, I'm not better off long-term, just say it. Now, if it's a two-week item, which is where I think the rumor it came from, we may be closed for two weeks, restaurants, go for it. I would actually have the gall and the nerve to ask for... Uh, you know, a, a, a donation instead. Uh, but, you know, to me, if you want to get a donation, I'm not going to go as far as a GoFundMe. But if you kind of knew you were helping your hairdressers keep in there, uh, the legal way, because you can't work while you're going on unemployment, is actually just a donation, a way of exchanging money, a gift. Um, support your salons. And I just think if you, I think of some of our clients that have been calling and the way they feel about the store, it's an emotional thing, both sides. So the clients are very emotional about it, very sincere, as have been every debtor, everybody we've dealt with. Everybody's been very care giving on every episode, every business we've dealt with more or less. You know, I know I bashed on the landlord, but you know, it's a business we got to negotiate. And I'm just saying, I know what's important right now. And if the worst happened, I got kicked out of a business that's not working, that we have no idea that's never ever going to work or open, then so be it. I'll take that risk. But, um, you know, as I say, the client is, the, to me, everything in this business. Uh, I love being on stage. and I like cutting models hair. But this is an opportunity for you to repackage yourself, repackage what you think you are and step it up. Could be the way you dress. Uh, Mary and I get our nails done. And uh, every almost every two weeks, Kelly, 
And they've been a you know typical Vietnamese nail salon. And the lady that owns the place, T, gets her hair done in the salon. Uh, they've got a pretty consistent staff. And they do a very good service. Mary and I are pretty loyal to them. Uh, a few weeks ago, I go and everybody was wearing black. And they're not talking to me. <laughs> so I know what happened. Uh, the owner was so inspired by the way we look at work. She went home and made her team change the dress code. And the nail salon. She stepped it up. She brought she brought in new fixtures, pedibles. She went with the, the, the zhuzhi things, which you're all going to think you need. And I'm just saying the heart and soul is most important, but looking like a team is a critical part. And just to see the transformation of how they look when I walk into that nail salon, and I've been into many, uh, it is absolutely a unique experience. She's probably the only one in the whole world that does it. Uh, that's how surprising it can be. So, you know, it could be things like that. How do we look going to work? What What do we look like? Like, I love the the attention to, you know, sanitary things. Uh, how dare we ever forget them? We're licensed to know them. Um, so I could see a whole future in that making a big deal about it to make our clients as they come back into population feel just as comfortable and not paranoid. It's like one of those zombie movies that everybody's got it. You know, I, I just think that we build those safety measures into our business now. Um, those new procedures, I think, will be, it's almost a way to advertise, you know, that we've made this place clinically acceptable for you. And I think it's a standard. Like, we do coffee cups and glassware, but we'll probably have to go in the future with a recyclable hot and cold cup. Um, just the reality. Why do I want somebody's cup touching another cup? So not, I'm not a germaphobe in any way, but I'm just saying that we're going to have to think of from a client's position, what would make them feel like I mentioned the brown brush with saran wrap. My clients love it. When I open it up, you think I was opening a Willy Wonka bar or an iPhone. Uh, you know, they, they get excited by it to know that this is coming out clean. Uh, I wrote, I seen something on the internet said, uh, we started washing the smocks once a day. <laughs> like, once a day? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, surely after every client's use is the answer. So we can step it up here. And I think there's ways for us. A couple of examples I want to give, Kelly. Tylenol had an a problem when people were tampering with the bottles and people got killed. Not a large number of people. People died. And as a result, they actually invented the tamper-proof top. Yeah, Tylenol invented it to come out of that terrible thing to move on. And their sales increased bigger than any other company, bigger than Advil, recommended by doctors everywhere. They are the number one in the leader role. Uh, talk about retooling. Airlines, when we were just coming out of the recession, gas prices went up and all the airlines took a beating. They had to buy this expensive gas that they could not afford. It was putting them under. The only airline that got lucky was South West had just bought gazillion gallons of gasoline at the low price, right? Now, what happened? The airlines took a beating, couldn't do anything about it, right? As they recovered, what did they start doing? Service, uh, baggage charges, planes. They dropped some of their infrastructure, dropped it down to a minimum, took down less weight, also started charging you for the shit. You wouldn't need a bag if you weren't traveling. But regardless, they say they know why you travel. Obviously not when they're like, you've got to pay for your bags extra. That should be part of it. You know what I mean? But they managed to separate it. And before this happened from the epidemic, they were, had the best bottom lines they've ever had. But they came out of a tragedy where they had to learn by their mistakes of you know, what would make a more foolproof business. And when gas settled down, they got to you know, keep all that extra revenue. 
Uh, so they've done real well, clever things. So through the ways we tiptoe through things, you know, I think there's always mistakes or things that happen that can be looked at one way. And, you know, the reality is you just got to kind of focus on a different direction. It's an opportunity. It's like the disconnection of the year. It's an opportunity to change technique, you know? So when you've got a place that naturally parts, that's a place where you can change your mind. So it's kind of like cutting hair. There's a swing point here. There's a chance for us to become different versions of ourselves. And I think that's a really exciting thing. I think the team are going to get into it. I can't wait to get busy at Paul Mitchell to help other people get into the, you know, what could it look like? What could our take-home areas look like? And I'd love to do before and afters. Like, this is what it looked like, and here's what we've done with it. We have that time. And we can, we're creative people. We, you know, we color hair. We put 16 colors in it. What could we do with a big open space without spending a bundle? You know, I don't want people going into debt. Uh, and one thing I will say, people are being offered loans to get out of the situation. Um, that's not going to help you either if the, the, the loan coming back later. So I would just say just be careful uh, as you step forward because to me, a loan for a business, and if it's a loan to help pay the bills while it's closed, I think you don't need that loan. <laughs> uh, if it's to keep you and your family safe and warm and plenty of tuna in the fridge, I, I accept that, um, but as I say, don't run in to make up the, the differences through borrowing money because later uh, you've got to pay that plus your other expenses, so it's kind of catch-22. It's a little something now, but it's a little painful later, and I would just kind of caution again. I'm not an expert in any of these things. You can take it from me or not. Uh, feel free to talk to other people who you respect their opinion. Make your own decisions at the end of the day. Uh, I do. That's the ability to be an owner. And our team have thanked us for the way we've handled things. You know, we can Skype in with them. Uh, but I'm very excited to get focused with them on you know, a whole new world, as, as I'm sure you in Brooklyn are. So what do you say to, you know, like, because uh, obviously you deal with the emotional part. I mean, and you are like such a high level thinker. That's why I love to be able to uh, talk to you. You don't answer all my texts, very few of them. Um, and sometimes I call and I get you, but uh, I try and call you as often as possible. Uh, but um, to the person who's maybe not the high level thinker, they're going to go through the emotional part. When you spoke about and you rolled through and you were, you were speaking on a, a way of, it, it almost was so enticing. You said, you know, we got our team together, we did the layoffs, we moved on and we did these things. What do you say to the person that says, okay, you just said layoffs, then you moved on. Was there any emotion in that? How do you be? How are you able to navigate that part of it to help the people to understand that? Hey, as an employee, I still am. Uh, I still love you. You're still awesome, but I'm going to need to lay you off for this amount of time. Why? Uh, like, how were you able to make that decision? And then, how were you able to make sure that people understood and knew that you still cared? I didn't feel. You know, this is the co compliance, Kelly. You know, for the, the safety of my staff, I was concerned about the other guests. I'm being compliant like every other business should be, as told by the governor of California. So because I didn't make that decision, I didn't feel so guilty. What I did feel from our team, they felt thankful that there was some resources which they could go to. And I think that's the kind of peace of mind that I've loved. Um, you know, the, the Internet, some of them talking about where you go and register. Everybody's so far already done that. That's the first thing they did. So I feel like there's going to be a bridge gap and we know that this is a temporary closure and whatever happens, we're going to rejoice the day we come in and, 
you know, it could be kind of like when you so we say, you know, let's fire everybody and then we'll rehire you on Monday and do a new interview. Uh, this is an opportunity for us to kind of look at that as we all come back to work that, you know, things are not going to be the same as they started. And these are for the better of things, not for to give them more rules. People have had enough of rules, but just healthy outcomes and what we're all trying to do together. And, um, you know, the values of a team. And I felt that our company here, I've even seen some of my sellers throw a bone out to the independent market saying, you know, let's give a little love out for our independent brothers and sisters, which is funny how they're all thinking of one another. But um, there is some unity here coming from our team, which is like a, a beautiful inspiration to me. If anything out of this is a quick silver lining uh, to see the appreciation, the love and, you know, these multiple texts with, you know, 20 or 30 people at a time and all this different conversation coming to light. But every time I see a thank you, Mary, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, these are things we don't often hear as owners either. And uh, I think it's a beautiful time to really show the love for one another and to rebond on what the team is. And as we see what the timeline is, what games culturally can we play together to build the team even stronger uh, as, a, as a thinking unit working, you know, to a whole new level of together. Cause it's kind of like a remodel Kelly, all of our team have come in at different times you know, so they're not really, it's not like your big vision of a big house. It's like this vision that's been added on to a hundred times. This is a reset button for us and for the individuals to say, well, this is a, this is a brand new day, baby. We can do new things. So obviously I think every single person that's listening out there, I, I think that uh, whether you own a salon, you're a stylist, uh, you own any type of business, you have a job, you're breathing, uh, you're empowered by this guy. That's the reason why I wanted to bring him on, is Robert Cromies. Um Take us into the mind of Robert, though. I mean, you are a high-level thinker. Um, have you always been that way? And what do you attribute that to? Because is that something that's just born in, or can you teach that? Um, because... As we go along, there's going to be times where these people don't hear your voice. I would suggest every one of you download this, have it on cue. Whenever you start to get down, start to listen to this again, it'll help you out. But what do you say, like, where did that come from? How, how were you able to develop that? Like, everything that you said was literally forward focused. I was writing things down. You were talking about um, <clears throat> what can you do? Uh, to make it better. You said visionaries are gullible. You said, uh, don't be emotional, gather information. You know, you were looking at the service and the retail. Every single thing that you said was forward focused. So as a listener, how do I get there? How, how can I construct that in my life? You know, I've always got this. I'm sure you have too. Um, you know, how did you become who you are? It's probably always been used. Somebody said, you'd be good at anything you've done. Well, my bosses that fired me five or six times when I was a kid didn't think so. So what I really think it could be is the, the dynamics of being a hairdresser. If you just look at what we do, we problem solve. And if you think about almost everything you're doing, you're problem solving gray hair, you're problem solving highlights, graduated bob, long layers, you're problem, problem solving. And I think that's kind of the mentality I have. I look at challenges, whether it's an industry thing, and try to get, break the problem. That's kind of what gets me into thinking about it. Whereas not, a lot of people may look at a problem, have three ideas. I may have 33. So that's definitely something. But it's kind of like when I work with an audience, I tend to, it's almost like I can read their mind. You know, we've got some old, you know, uh, 
old bananas in the fridge and Mary's going to make banana cake or banana bread or something. We just mentioned it. And I swear to God, she got something on her phone saying recipe for banana bread. So people are listening <laughs> everywhere we go. Uh, but to me, looking for the opportunity to change things and seeing the challenge of it, whether it's from my point of view, frustrated employee, uh, to see where the healthy outcome is in the middle and coming up with those challenges um, I find it quite exciting because if everything's good and nothing's broken, I'm not going to do so well. Uh, it's sometimes when people say, what do you think of this presentation? Or here's my storyboard until I see it. I don't know where to deviate it. Um, where, you know, naturally I kind of need a problem almost to be the 11th man, if you will, that I've got to see a way around it in a different way. And, you know, you can do that with a client when they're in the sink, you don't know what to do to them. And when you look at their face a different way, you see something in their facial features. So we used to say a lot, change the way you look at things, things you look at change. Uh, a great example of what could you reconceive now in your business that perhaps you hate about it, that you'd like to see different in the future. And for each one of us, we can all, we'll all have a different list of what's important to us. And without deviating your dream, trying to make it salon like somebody else's, at the end of the day, still your vision. So I think, by us, I mean, we talk about visionaries. What person is mixing a color bowl, not being a visionary? You know, we do shampoos in the dark in the salon. Kelly says, so what, what do you do if you to see the color? I said, trust me, if you didn't see it when you mixed it, <laughs> Jesus can't even help you here. Uh, it's just one of those things. So it's something to consider. I think it's part of what makes the unique, you know, DNA of a hairdresser. This is what we are. We're only part of the people, and that's what makes the big difference here. And I just think looking for challenges, there's always things that happen to the beauty industry. We've seen shifts in employment, freelancing being quite strong, things like the Internet. Um, you know, some of the guys of my age see the Internet as the biggest, you know, it's like the, the crazy way our parents felt, you know, our grandparents when they seen the Beatles or Elvis Presley. Oh, he's the devil. Uh, the reality is things are changing. Uh, I tend to look at other industries and go, oh, my God, these are incredible th other salon types. Uh, salon Republic's got a beautiful business model. There's lots of ways. Um, <clears throat> so for me, always being a student of it, Kelly, is really critical. So I can have my own opinions because I own a salon, but I work for Sport Clips, Supercuts. I work for the Reaches Corporation. I work for the Solar Group. I work for Paul Mitchell, and I work for 100 distributors around the world and have done for 35 years seven million miles worth and every time i go into a distribution market i got to learn their data i got to know what their business is so i end up learning a lot more that helps me think about our businesses in a different way because of what i've seen you know if the 70 percent of the freelance industry work without a reservationist uh the ratner group have a thousand salons have no reservationist so going to a call center is a touch point seven days a week a reservationist is checking people out with their toys, they're selling bottles of shampoo, they're taking coats. So we're sort of dropping some of the potential touch points. Uh, we want to compete with the internet and our biggest competition, our, our biggest competitive edge is the touch point. It's the having the words instead of, hey, we're not here right now, past three. What would it mean to you have a happy reservationist team calling you to help set up your next appointments and talk as long as you want to talk about your hair? Everybody hates that when they get the client on the phone telling them about their hair. When I was six, I had a, suddenly, you know, they got 30 minutes on the call and they're trying to check out people. Getting this call center could be a vision I think could change the beauty industry and the overhead of a business. 
uh, and self-checkout, hairdressers checking out their own client. Uh, I remember I used to tell the joke, I wrote up a ticket for 650 and never looked the client in the eye, Stevie Wonder. Uh, absolutely true, but we got to get over that because if we really understand it, if we take care of our own reservation for the future, take care of the money, take care of the product recommendation, uh, you are absolutely getting a 10, 10, 10, 10 on every element of service. And too often we're too busy. We ditch and run. We leave it to somebody else. It doesn't happen. Then we worry that we're not booked next week, Kelly. Well, I mentioned 2009 starting to be more effective, fewer clients, more meaning. And I think that's the sort of place where we could learn from this, not getting crazy, um, you know, when we go back to work and thinking this is the time of our lives and start squeezing them in, squeezing them in. Uh, they won't be a long-term effect that will stick there. For you to get these new habits efficiently running, um, you've got to slow into them. So you don't need a 12, 16-client day. You need a four-client day. And I think we should actually do some – remember in the casino they did some uh, soft openings? It wouldn't kill us as a team to do a little Ray Kroc soft opening to play with these new systems and get them into effect instead of always apologizing for our errors. We try on dialogue. We try haircuts. We practice hair shows. Why wouldn't we practice a client experience from – you know, the minute you meet them to the minute they leave. Uh, that's the type of thing I think we'll get a chance to work on, not just as individuals, but as an industry. Because I think a lot of people are going to get into this type of idea. We get to give our own selves a makeover and, um, you know, not caught up in the day-to-day -day emotion like we have been. And you do as soon as you open it. It's like a roller coaster train that never stops. And I think this is a chance where it got halted and we have a chance to change the way it runs and operates and, lunch is provided i don't care what it is but this is a time to group and getting the team involved is probably what i'm looking forward to the most to see how they respond to this crazy thought they better <laughs> or they'll remain unemployed kelly <laughs> so i think one of the one of the coolest things uh, not only that i hear today but also <laughs> uh, have just loved about you for years um has been like you seem to not have a challenge with with change um, you like because what I was raised in, right? What we grew up in, and what when I was assisting you, we would see 16, 20, 25 guests in a day. We would have two full schedules. We would have people rack stack. We would have three assistants. You were passing them off. You're doing the thing. How now uh, hearing you, I love it because you're like, I every time I get to talk to Robert, I get a chance to be able to almost experience a new being. Help us to understand how you're so comfortable in saying, like, a lot of the things that you were talking about were what we, what we grew up in and what we were teaching and what we were showing. And now you're able to change gears. But when you change gears, you're completely comfortable with that. A lot of times people have a challenge even changing, like, not wearing the same socks every day. How, like, that, that change management, how are you able to do that? Um, take us into that a little bit. Well, there's so much great history. There was a story that uh, the man that assisted, uh, Vidal Sassoon assisted a guy. His name was Teasy Weezy. And he was pretty confident that when precision cutting came in, it wouldn't catch on. Now, just to put it in perspective, you know how old Vidal is. So we're going way back to the 50s. This guy had his own jet, Teasy Weezy. He had an entourage of six people. He had gold faucets, gold chandeliers in his store. He died penniless, Kelly. So my, here's my change story. It's change, don't change, or spare change. It's as simple as that. 
yeah, you'll see me with cardboard on the corner there, spare change. I got the clothes for it already. It'll be, I got a natural costume. Uh, so I think that's a, a part of it. We have no choice. And I try to reflect back to that era of the 50s. Think of how the, the, the mom and pop, what they called the, the rock and roller set places that were doing all those clients, right? Uh, think about the guy who used to make hood dryers, probably thought he was set for life, right? Uh, and then reality in comes a blow dryer and changes all of that. There's always going to be disruption. Our industry's seen it many, many, many times. Uh, some people see Amazon as a disruption. Uh, some people see the internet, and that was kind of the point I make. I embrace some of the kids I got to meet on the internet. It's a, you know, don't you know, don't judge a book by its cover. As you get to know these kids, you hang out with them at shows. Uh, you know, I, I see a lot of value in what I'm seeing, and already I see that the growth that they're making can happen. Uh, what happened in the industry? It was a reset, and people got to pick their own rock stars instead of manufacturers stuffing them down your throat. So I think it was a great surge, and now everything's normalized again because all of these major kids went to big companies like ours, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, well done for being independent for two weeks. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, you know, the reality here is uh, being part of something is the message. And the fact that all the independents out there thought this was the leg up, uh, there is only a few positions in the NBA. And I think what happened is the talent had a refresher and we've seen it and got exposed to new talent. And I'm so fortunate to be an old guy that still does hair shows. I'm a bit of a trickster. I think what helps me, Kelly, I got a mouth on me. And as much as I can see great talent, there's not so many people can communicate. And it's not about communicating like, oh, I should be on TV. It's more of how I make you feel. It's more of the stuff I can make other people feel on our behalfs. And I think that's something that really, you know, constantly inspires people. I do shows in countries where I think the hairdressers are way better than I am but they don't have my passion and emotion. And when I finished a show, I did Israel, and they said, nobody's ever smiled on stage for three hours. I'm like, really? That's how I win a market of a thousand hairdressers. I smile a lot. Uh, but that's the simple shit. Think about the industry. I love my job. Well, tell your face. Uh, I walk into salons, and I watch people working, and I'm like, you don't look like you're having the time of your life here. Uh, and I think this is what we got to understand. It's a celebration. And I want to go back, because we've worn different hats as younger men, when I first came up with the multi-stacking thing, it was about what we charged. You know, if you think about when you were my assistant, I can't remember now, it was a $55 haircut, $55. maybe something like that. Yep. So stacking there made a lot of sense. Today I'm a $200 haircutter. And I'm just saying, rather than thinking of, can we just see people quick, 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 which is the greatest way to burn out a clientele, or could we slow the machine down, charge more, and add more ways to just create service. Uh, I don't care, you know, we already do a lot of great things, but what else could we do? Uh, what would just make a client never forget us and want to come and pay a little extra for it? So I think it's really about that guest relationship, but going the maximum, what could it be, you know? Um, and I think that's what we're kind of striving for. I'm very, as you can tell, kind of excited by it. And, not, you know, the thing I love about being a salon is not I get excited for our team. Sometimes I, I gotta be honest here. I'm guilty of neglecting the team because I travel so much. This could be a great way for us to reconnect. My wife and I have started running the company personally. This could be the greatest thing our team have ever had happen to us, to be quite honest, uh, because there's, you know, knowing that as an owner is what can help me move forward. It's having the confidence to take that step, but you got to know you've got a team behind you. So it'd be crazy of me to think I can go anywhere I want because without a team, uh, we don't have that benefit. 
and expanding the team of the right people too is also something to work on. So I plan to get busy with hiring future professionals, getting them trained, getting them ready for when we do go back to business. And you and I got to do that in Vegas many years ago, 20 years ago. And it was probably the best team. And there was ideas that we'd worked in a salon and it was I, but we got to reconceive what Vegas would be if you remember. And when we went out there, we just waited. Even though we'd never done it before, we just said, this is how we do it in Vegas. And over time, it's how we started doing it in other salons, from highlighting with chopsticks, the way we did certain things, from the teasy highlight, which you all think you found on the internet. No, I found it in this head. Wearing um, all black. So, you know, it's just one of those things. What's that? Wearing all black. Now, I mean, that was before we went to Vegas, there wasn't a wearing all black. It was black, white, and a splash of color. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, seeing those kind of things, it's amazing when you said cheesy highlight. I want to connect on this for a second because yeah. all those kids out there that you're thinking, oh, wow, Balayage is a new thing. Uh, you know, these cheesy highlights, I'm diffusing color. I want you to look into that screen right now and see that guy was doing that thing in 1995. In 1995. So I love it because, and how does that feel? You're seeing a whole industry catch well, on. People thought I was a nutcase, crazy with a purpose. Uh, and I've got other concepts I contribute, like a color bar. That's a common word in our industry now. Uh, that came out of Robert Cromie's little pea brain. Um, I'm very proud of the word take home, which my coach Terry Cowan helped me on. But take home for products was just a way to think about it, not retail, which isn't sexy. But uh, it, it gives you a kick in the pants. And especially this one's ironic because there's times where, you know, I'm at – shows and trade show company uh, trade shows and uh, i'll see furniture companies that want to buy me drinks because i've invented the color bar <laughs> so i'm not unknown everywhere and there are some old school folks that realized where we you know we were the first team me and stephanie would be doing teasy haircuts teasy highlights and people thought it was insane when i did it on camera on an educational video uh they were so sh i think the first time i did uh, a teasy haircut the tape was never seen. It was on Vegas and vinyl. She was model number four, if you remember, Kelly. We had the red head. We had the little cush ball one. And there was another little brunette I did, maybe a staffer. And Tommy Callahan thought I had lost my mind. And I was a younger man. I didn't have the confidence to just push him through. But either way, I eventually got it on camera. And look what happened. So I get to hang out with you know minds like Beat Elstison and know we made a difference. And whether everybody knows it, I don't need people to buy me drinks and thank me for it. I know it. And the fact is I can, you know, help an industry change how it thinks about itself. And I look forward to helping unravel the next couple of challenges we have. Uh, but these are ones that, you know, you can't feel bad on what contribution can little old me make to the beauty industry. Well, here's a guy that went to school in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, used to deliver pizza. Uh, and Kelly and I had the same boss once when I left there, he told me I'd be packing boxes the rest of my life. Um, you know, the, the, this world I've grown up in is about people to believe in. You felt that way with me. I'm the same way for you. Uh, I believe in John Paul, Paul Mitchell, the company, Angus, Mike Lean. Uh Obviously, I believe in my wife. She's incredible. Uh, I, you know, I would say that if she was not around, I'd have just, I'd have, I've went missing uh, because she's been handling all the nitty gritty. She's really been at one with the team. And I think what really makes a difference, she is part of the team here. Uh, I may happen to be the owner. I come hang out and help out, but they really see her as a fellow worker. She works harder than any of them. She's also a prime example, $1,700 days. 
Um, you know, she's no nonsense. And I just think that's a beautiful thing that we're enjoying uh, just watching her leadership. This is a great time for her to prove to the team that she is the leader. And I don't think there was any doubt in their mind before, but after this, Kelly, you know, marry for president. That's how I see it. <laughs> <laughs> so you said something. Sorry, I, I want to go back to this quickly. Um, and then I want to finish with the a question that I think a lot of, well, well I is probably the, the most pressing for me, um, you know, knowing you for it's uh, shoot 1995. So we're talking 25 years, 25, 27, or actually I came in contact with you in 90, 93, 94. Um, so, you know, you're talking 27, 28 years. Um, the first thing that I want to go back to is that you talked about a disruption. You talked about a disruption. I was just reading the book recently, uh, Robert Iger, uh, which is um, a wild ride, it's called. And he's the CEO of Disney. And what he said in it, what I took away from the whole book was, that he actually invested in his disruption, meaning that he saw Netflix coming before Netflix was coming. And in 2015, he doubled down, took all his uh, licensed material off of Netflix and off of every other place, and he lost millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars for the Disney Corporation, but he told them, hold tight, we're gonna invest in our uh, disruption. And they came back even stronger, because now they have Disney Plus and ESPN Plus. When I heard that, it made so much sense to me. So what is the disruption that you're investing in right now? Well, I gotta give you one more chapter. It's like your watch story. You'll figure that out later, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the blockbuster had the chance to buy Netflix for $50 million and refused. <laughs> oh. What did I say? Change, don't change or spare change. So there's a great scenario to that story. So this guy seen value in it. Blockbuster did not. And at that time, it was going for a song in comparison to what it's worth now. And um, I'm just saying that's the, the ironic part of what we've got to look at and the decisions we have to make. So, um, you know, we've been in our industry. We've had a lot of disruption lately. Uh, this is just the, the crescendo. This is the chocolate icing on the outside. We had... Uh, mandatory hourly pay over commission that we've been a commission salon for 25 years uh didn't know any other way uh forced into an hourly thing um that both me and my staff don't truly understand but we're still using the same matrix to formulate but i would say where i had much more control over the old structure now it can run up and high and low uh, higher without my permission to say i gave you all a raise this week of five percent so we're looking at what we can do in the other side of the business to safeguard of that harming the economy of the salon. Uh, then we go through the freelance world. So I would say the biggest loss is it's not always clients, it's staffers thinking, you know, maybe I can make a better deal down the street and I'm going to freelance. Uh, one of my top staff left recently said she worked harder in her last two weeks than she ever had, but she made 17% profit and she would have made 50 working for me. Uh, and you're not, it's not always so green out there. And she's a performer, Kelly. So she's not a kid that didn't have much of a book. You know, if you're a thousand dollar a weeker and you think you're going to rent space for 400, uh, that's 40% of your revenue just in rent. Uh, that makes my rent seem small. So I'm just saying in proportion to you want to understand that. So she went with a very healthy number, but the result is after doing everything and being alone, 
having to be there much more hours, having to really take care of it. Our process helps us. It's kind of like the airlines. When you go to fly out, if you notice, all the airlines are flying out together. And you wonder why they would do that because the airport's empty at five o'clock, it's empty at 10 o'clock, but they move it all together is because they can share the overhead of what it costs to run the airport. So I just think there's a, a real benefit to being together. Being alone is not always the answer. And I love that I had a top performer leave who's been very vocal on Instagram, Tiffany May, and being honest with the team. And one of her best friends still works here. And she says, oh, what's it like for her? And she's like, well, it's been the toughest for her. You know, I wouldn't expect, I, I have to expect a callback on this one. Uh, it just depends what you want. I'm not here to dictate what lifestyle you should choose. But I think there's a real benefit to the community of hair salons. And I think being a part of a team, it's a deal breaker for my wife. That's what she loves the most about Paul Mitchell. It's what she loves about working in the salon. Uh, I think handling appointments is something we wouldn't do very well. So in my avenue, one way to build strength as a team is getting dangerous with your touch point of that desk team, reservation team. And what you could do, whether it's a call center, just isolated phone call conversations. It doesn't need to be a room. It's just a point of view. It could make a big difference. And we've been working on that idea for two years, Kelly, and our software is just upgrading so we can make that change. But it's been quite frustrating waiting on the delays, but we're ready to move in. And what a little gap we have right now to give it a try on. And I know it'll work. Just I know what a client needs in, in these times and actually in all the time. Wouldn't you love to call somewhere and actually get, I was, and I'm hearing the same little ditty on the machine. I mean, what confidence does that give you as a customer? You've got thousands of dollars in their bank and you can't even talk to somebody. Uh, it's a pretty scary time. So I think touch point is something to learn by this. And it's not just a, an e-blast. You know, we're going to connect to clients. We're going to talk to them about products and supplies they may need because other good guests have said, how can I get some? So if we can help them on that, we'd be glad to. Uh, Martino Cartier was doing a color thing this morning. He's boxing it up and shipping it. Um, again, I would caution him if you're selling it, you're bringing in a little bit of money. Better to bring in no money right now would be the way I'd handle it. What's, you know, if you did 100 kits, you made $5,000. Yahoo, what you going to do with that? $5,000 not going to go far. But if you were going to take it, it would be, I, would want a, I would want a donation. I've made up your color. Here is Mrs. Gardines. And if whatever donation you want to make to the salon is up to you. So I put a price of 50 bucks for going that far. Am I right? So, you know, he got bashed on it. Some people said it's unprofessional. Well, come on. If idiots can do it in the supermarket, Claire all L3, it is not rocket science. It's a lot just to do with the legalities of professional products. I don't think we're taking a big risk here. Uh, if that's something you're interested in doing, I'm saying look at it. But be careful where you start bringing in revenue. Uh, one of my guys said, can I get my client's numbers? <laughs> I'm like, well, you're not in employment. Why are you going to call your clients? Because <laughs> I'm going to go do their Harry's thinking. I'm saying, well, that would be illegal. you know. So I just think that... Let's be honest. We all deserve a break. We're always white and we never get any time off. Now we get some time off to refocus. And I think once we settle into it, we're going we're gonna to love it and maybe come back with an idea of being more dangerous at work on less time. And if that's all I could get out of everybody, being more productive in less hours so that they get the quality of life they deserve, uh, that would be an awesome thing to come out of all this. Wow. So who are you studying like right now? Because I'm I've, I've being around you. I've got a chance to be able to watch you. Like you study so many different industries. I've never really seen you. I mean, you study our industry and you're around and you see those things. 
but I see you gain more inspiration from other things. You've brought Disney into our fold. You've helped, uh, you, one time you inspired everyone with Kentucky Fried Chicken because you, you studied a different business. What business are you studying right now that's helping you to see a disruption that is not here yet? So, you know, you're, you're a visionary. You're seeing those things. You said to, to be a visionary, you gotta be gullible. You're looking forward. What do you see the disruption that's coming? Or what business are you studying right now that's helping you to be able to adapt your business? Well, I've, I've touched on it, but not in the right detail. Uh, obviously, Sephora is a retail happy place. My wife can go in there and just in the line in four minutes has picked up another $73 worth of merchandise. So it is a shop opportunity land. They are great at it. Uh, Alta is a great representation of what you can move out the door. So I think I look at companies like that, and I always try to look for apples to apples in some way. They sell beauty things. We sell beauty things. You know, Starbucks can be helpful, and my chicken analogies from KFC can be. But the thing I look for the most is when it's really apples to apples. Toyota many years ago had injuries with people in their cars. Remember that? Mm -hmm. People were killed. And the ad campaign, when they came out of it, said moving forward. And I thought, what a great way to handle that. Because don't go back to the dogma. Don't go back to the apology. Moving forward. Um, so, you know, I think it's very important you look at that. Um, I mentioned uh, Southern Republic. Uh, this guy's open in all over California. He's got multiple stores. Uh, got maybe 100 streets within each unit. Got products inside, free towels. They still, you know, the great thing about independent salons, the big ones, still require education to make the team be motivated to pay their bills with called rent. So it's no different than what we play in a way. Uh, maybe legally it's different, but I'm just saying if they're not motivating the staff that work in a freelance world, one of the big questions I've seen all over the internet is, are freelancers going to be charged rent while they're on break? Uh, are landlords going to be soft there? Um, are they in a position to be? Because even if they've leased to a sublease, they, they require that rent to pay their bill. Um, and how well are they going to be taken care of is a great question. But uh, as I say, that's a business model that certain people look at. And I look at my own company with the evolution. Uh, it could be an offspring to something we're thinking about in future brands as hairdressers with salons. Uh, people want freedoms. But if I was to create a freedom, uh, I'd want to know that there was, I would call it one which is one group of people working for a common goal, but um, you know, it would have to make sense. And sometimes it's an evolution. Uh, if I'm in a high premium location, there is a limit to how far I can take the pace. structure. that's just a fact of the luxury overhead. Room. And to be honest, if there was an opportunity that you found with a white elephant building that was cheap or expensive or almost rent free, and you create these beautiful, places that people that work for you one day wanted to go to work less, you know, why not look at that in a business model? Uh, you know, we'd be crazy not to be influenced by other people in the industry. And I started one of the big networks, the Coiffure, which is a lot of owners like us. And I said, 70% of the industry would rather work alone than work for us. So we got to self look at what do we like to work for and then figure out what can they manage on their own. And I'm just saying that's where reservations great luxury that in certain ways gets in the middle of things and stops the hairdresser being able for things like rebooking and especially the product sale they ditch and run we learn it in our schools and just saying we gotta see the service through 
you imagine at the Mac store, they're showing you all this shit and then just left you. I mean, <laughs> just left you, you know, didn't try to ring it up, didn't do a thing. So I just think this could be a whole new way. And again, this has a benefit to the overhead of the business. We should be open earlier and later to accommodate every client. And we don't need a reservation team on deck every minute of the day. That would be the purpose of that. So self-checkout, if you can't run the little zip line and run it through the clover or whatever, it's easy to learn. These are the sort of things, if you're a builder of your business, as you go back to work, you still got to build clients. You're not going to build them nine to five. They got jobs. So you want to work those later shifts where you can't afford to have the whole salon here waiting. Uh, you'll be doing more self-checkout. I give uh, one of my, somebody said, they're going to ship, get all the product boxes and get it out of the salon. And I said, better somebody steals it. At least you get the money back on it right now. <laughs> you box it up, you're never getting anywhere. It's all how you look at it, Kelly. Uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave the door open. Grab <laughs> the run, I'll try to end the money. It's gonna be sitting here for four weeks. I turned the water heater off. So you know, as I say, it's it's how you look at it. And um, you know, I'm lucky that my mind kind of works like that, but. Uh, I don't have all the answers. And again, it, it's ever changing. And hopefully what we could do is come back in a few days, come back in a week or so and kind of reconvene because obviously we know what's going on with the virus. But as we look on more strategies, exactly what we're doing, what would this look like? We can kind of share a little bit more of the detail of it. But right now they should just begin. What could it be? Uh, you know, what is my ideal salon? What would it look like? Put the details on paper and how you could achieve that. And uh, what I've talked to you for years about is when a hotel's in high demand, it costs more. Airline ticket in high demand costs more. Mercedes-Benz in high demand costs more. We, at the end of this, will be in high demand. Are we going to go back to where we were? We're going to change ourselves, change our thinking, change our prices, and more importantly, more than the price, that experience. What do they get in return for it? That's what I've loved about increasing my prices my whole career. I always felt we had to deliver more for each increment, whether it's a $5 jump, $10, $20. What's the better you for that 20 It can't just be the same thing you've done for the last 10 years and charge 20 bucks more for it. That's, that's a price increase that a client's not going to enjoy. They want to get more of you. And that's the added value we got to create within our industry and within ourselves. It's not for your team to do or my team to do. It's each one of us will do it. And we'll all agree as a team, we'll all do it and give it more than we ever did before. And I think that could be, you know, I can't wait to see Mary's list of things. <laughs> that was just my <laughs> list, Kelly. And maybe next time uh, we get Brooklyn and Mary on the call too, we could do a four set. Um, we'll, we'll actually, we're the Osmonds. I don't know who you want to be. Uh, but the reality that I think that could be a great, because I think both of those ladies in our business represent other sides of it. Uh, you know, we often are the visionaries. I know Brooklyn's a heavy hitter and an earner in the company as you are. Uh, I don't work as much as I once did in the store. Uh, but, you know, who knows with this new, the new me, all my shows have canceled. I could do podcasts every day, Kelly. Uh, <laughs> here we have another podcast. I'd be like an old version of Robert N. Uh, but we could see, uh, but definitely a follow-up here just to look as we get closer to more strategic thoughts and what are we doing moving forward and you know, what could be translatable that other people could learn from and well, I, just say, I, in development. You know, I would love it and I would love to be able to do part two, part three, part four, part five, uh, because I think there's so much to go into. I think to be able to bring us home here and the question that I, that I've had for years um, and people have had for me about you um, 
again, I've got the opportunity to not only see you from a distance as far as a platform artist in your audience, be a part of your audience, um, and then be a, a, what you called a stalker, I called it focused, um, and follow you around for two and a half years. I got a chance to assist you, and then I got a chance to be able to work next to you, and I got a chance to be in your inner, inner circle. And at every point that I saw, you always put people first. And that was the thing that I almost get goosebumps right now. I'm getting them on my arms because you've always thought of other people in the event. And I've, I've thought of this over the years is you are a juggernaut. Like you're like what Jay-Z said, right? He said, I'm not a businessman. I'm a business man. Right. And you are a business man. Like you are like, if you just wanted to do it on your own, you would be, I mean, you would launch to the crazy, but you have always had one common theme and every single thing that you've said today was not about you. It was about making other people better. Help me to understand, like, and you've always done this, always, even to the point where, you know, when I was my 22nd birthday and it was the first birthday I was spending away from my family and I was in San Diego and you called me and said, man, I want you to come down and hang with me. You took me surfing, and when we got done surfing, you took me to Rubio's, and you sat down outside with me and told me, I know that you can't be with your family, and I know it's important to you, but I'll be your family. I'll be here for you, and I want you to know that I'm here for you. And more than any hairdressing you ever taught me, that taught me so much about business. It taught me about life. It taught me how to be able to help to grow people. And even further this way, Robert, I remember there was a time when I was assisting you and every day you would go and you would take out enough money to be available to buy a pack of cigarettes. And it was about $1.75 at the time. You would take out that money and then you would give away all the rest of your tips to us to make sure that we were okay. And you always put people first. Why is that? I think just, you know, grateful. It's like the way I honor Paul Mitchell. I'm so grateful. I could pinch myself of what opportunity I got because I believed. And, you know, for people to work for me, they sometimes leave from like you did. I've had some kids live in a car. Uh, things People have done incredible things to get an opportunity here. So uh, I've also been a starving artist. I've, you know, delivered pizza while I was in beauty school. So you kind of remember that stuff. So you know, people are coming in with all these life experiences going through school is not a lucrative experience. So we all start at that point. So, you know, giving people that generosity, I think it's just something that's been passed to me. Uh, but, you know, again, I think the honesty is going to come out of these conversations with our team too. Uh, you know, how they feel about this thing. You know, I know I touch on people in certain ways, but I want to know that everybody feels that they're getting the advantage of being around it. Uh, I sometimes feel I get more industry than I do in my own company. And that's a little bit just my job requires a lot of me and, you know, traveling, et cetera. But uh, I know when I especially had multiple stores, the guilt I got was like parenting, you know, you haven't been in our store, you never hear. Uh, it was like terrible. So as an owner, I think it's a disadvantage to not be able to be present. Um, so the more presence I can make people feel, uh, it's going to be helpful. But, I want to see them succeed. Nobody wants to cheerlead and see them succeed. I get to utilize their story when they do. And for you and I, if we go through the list of people we've helped over the years, uh, I've made some pretty good superstars in the world 
of hairdressing, people that knew how to take care of themselves and earn a living. <clears throat> so as proud as I am of TZ and Color Bar, I think the thing I'm the most proud of is I've had people prove their parents wrong by what they earned. I've had them change their economy to a whole new level that they never imagined. And I think that to me is probably the greatest thing. And it's a kind of, you know, many of these people that go on to do it are no longer with me. It's kind of like when Vidal had offspring and they moved into an industry, became leaders in different ways. He didn't get to, you know, rejoice in that perhaps financially, whatever, but it gives you great peace of mind that you've helped people, you know, take care of themselves. And when I became a hairdresser, I always thought it was a fallback thing. You know, like no matter what, I can make a living because I'm a hair guy. And to be able to take it to beyond people's belief and earning capacity and all by what you and I practice every day, being a servant. I come into the salon sometimes, I pass foils and I make coffee for people. I sweep hair, I'm not very good at it, Kelly. Uh, I, I do whatever I can do to serve them. And I, I just feel that that's who we are as people. When I'm hanging out with JP, he's grabbing my luggage. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things. It's a servant's heart. When you have it, it's not just applied to what you're doing in business. Uh, not that China's very popular right now, but I was over there and people were trying to get carts at the airport to put their luggage on and they were just pulling at them and pulling on them. And I just went over and pointed to the little money slot and said right there, put the money in. They're like, oh, thank you. And I must have done it to six people. And I guess that was off my head. I would ask, you're a servant, you're a servant whenever you see people need help, regardless of their, your skin color, your your people, your friends. And, you know, I think it's kind of, you know, it's almost, for my wife, I'm a gentleman. I don't always think I am, but yeah, uh, it's doing those right things. I get to see a lot amplified by JP. He's a true gentleman. Uh, I, I just think it's a place, a way of being. And, and you know, it's not about, but haircuts I give, it's not about anybody being a servant to people. Uh, one of my favorite punctuation joke that usually goes along with it, but, you know, she gets a $200 haircut. And I met her through getting ready for a wedding for her daughter. And her husband, very generously, which I always thought was pretty suspect, he treated her to this process of going to get your hair done a few times before the wedding. And it sounded like it was just a three visits and done deal. But because of the interaction we had with this lady in the salon, her name is Trudy, she ended up coming in four times a year. So because she loved it and couldn't stop talking about it, her husband said, okay, so here's a client who's a, almost retired, probably doesn't have a lot of money, I would assume, but comes in now six times a year, gets a $200 haircut and tips me 150 And I just think that that's, the, you know, we, we put a price on something and you may be guilty of putting the price too low. Because in her mind, it's a $350 experience, and she still can't stop thanking me all the way out the door. You know, we took her picture once on a ring light. She said, Robert, nobody ever takes my picture. Ta-da. That's the point of it all. Do we really love the industry? Do we really want to serve the people? Because if you just want to do rock and haircuts, go be a platform artist. You know, work on models that you're paying them to take the haircut you think is groovy. In the world we live in, people are paying us, so their hair, every little morsel of it, uh, every little inch of their experience, I want them to think about it in the most heavenly way for the, you know, to the day they die. And uh, we know we can do that. We've done that. We're both hairdressers that can do that behind the chair. Uh, do we do it each and every time these days? I go home and I'm a little mad that I was not the great Robert Crumings I could be. 
but I have very few of those days and much more on the Robert Crow music can light up people and change their lives and give them faith in the future. And, you know, sometimes, especially when it's, it's not about the beauty outside, it's the beauty in there. And I've seen people change because of what we do. And I think that if we can have that effect on people, we have underestimated what we do for a living and for sure underestimated what we charge. And I say that, Kelly, knowing what the industry does charge, knowing how far behind the eight ball we are. If we were all at the $100 mark saying, well, let's stick another 12 bucks on, I wouldn't be having this conversation. I wouldn't waste your time. I just think you've been so quick to discount what you are and what you should do is charge more and then earn the way up to deserve it. And that's where everything comes into play. So say that last part again. We lost you just for a second. What would it look like? So uh, start in that and, and, uh, and hit it again. So I'll take it from the top, which was, you know, if you're going to charge 80 bucks for a haircut, what, first of all, would that look like? What would the experience feel like? What would the shampoo feel like? Uh, what would your dialogue sound like? Every single aspect of that client's contact point that's the part you got to walt disney on to dream that up a bit it could be a breath mint i don't care what it is we make a big deal you used to hate it when you were a kid the cucumber water um but you know think about it uh we do a big deal with french press coffee and things like that people which ways can you make it an experience they're absolutely willing to fork dollars over every single time we tend to think as hairdressers that it's the hair and the color we do and I think we are absolutely wrong and broken if we think that way. That's a gimme. You know, it's like I have a housekeeper and she sometimes can't do the job and has somebody fill in. I can tell the difference when it's the lady I hired to do it. When we go in, there's things done that are such a level of clean and reorganized that I could never even wish for and paying the lady very little money. And then the other one does it and it does look clean, but there's no surprises in there. We got to surprise the people with how good we can be and understand what being a service provider is. You know, you talked about wanting to change the rules so that we are an essential business. <laughs> uh, I think we're essential in so many ways, but uh, this is what we have a chance to do, redefine ourselves. And this is not for everybody, Kelly. You know, not everybody's listening to this going, I can't wait to change myself. But for the ones that are really listening, that are prepared to use the downtime as a positive jump to redefine who they are, Everybody on the internet talks about, oh, what's your brand? What's your brand? Well, here's a place to start, folks. Now is the time to define your brand. Not in the midst of it. In the moments you can close the room down, let lights be dark, uh, watch television with no volume on, uh, blackout sometimes, put your eye patches on and let your mind go through scenarios and let it drift. Uh, you know, it just is an amazing thing. And sometimes you've got to filter it down. When I want to be creative, some of my most creative times on a plane because I close my eyes, not just over takeoff. I'm usually sleeping before they take off. But in that, I go into this sort of incredible visionary. I can see a movie of things happening in my mind. I can almost control it because nothing else matters to me. Nothing else is getting in there. So this is a time to regroup industry, and that's what we're all going to do. And I think we're going to come out really you know, incredibly different on the other side. And the client's going to love us even more. Ta-da. <laughs> well, I want to thank you, uh, Robert, for, uh, for coming on and uh, spending your time with us. Um, the, the message that I want to get out to every one of you out there, um, 
we know Robert the, uh, the icon. We know him as the national or the uh, international uh, superstar as far as hair. We know him as, I believe, the living, breathing um, next Vidal Sassoon. Like when I say the next, there was Paul, then there was, uh, or there was uh, Vidal, and then there was Paul, and now there's Robert. Um, we have a living icon in our midst right now. And this is what I've told people before. Um, you know, if, if we would have known who Michael Jordan was going to be when he was playing, we would have watched every single game. No one would have ever missed. But the only time, and the same thing with Kobe Bryant, it just happened where he, he, he left us. He went, you know, obviously he, he moved on and, you know, passed away. And everyone started to say, oh, my gosh, Kobe, Kobe, Kobe. But they weren't talking about him while he was alive that same exact way with the fervor. I want us to do that. I believe my mission is to help people to understand what we're in the midst of. We're in the midst of greatness right now, and he's doing it. But the thing, the message that I want to get, Robert, to every single person about you, and the thing that I think is the least celebrated is, again, your love for people. And I see it over and over and over again. And you succeeded at such a high level because you always, always build people. So I want to tell you, thank you so much. Your attitude is over the moon. Um, my dad said the 98.2, which is 98% attitude and 2% aptitude. And I tell you, your attitude continues to soar and it helps you to be able to gain the aptitude. Um, I just, I love you to death, man. I cannot wait for part two. I know everyone out there listening is going to want part two also. You got some finishing words for him to take us home, brother? No, just, hey, very proud of you, Kelly. Keep it up. Uh, people need things to believe in in this industry. And I know I give you a little uh, grief over being my stalker, but I stalked Fidel Sassoon. I mean, he, he, he approached me first. He found me first. But then wherever I knew he was, I went. And when he remembered me, I just couldn't believe he'd remember me of all the people he meets. Uh, another guy that I remember you remember, Urban Rusk. And the truth be told, uh, back in Scotland, when I had desires of being a hairdresser and not the courage to do so, that was the salon I wanted to work with was Urban. Uh, they had a remarkable lifestyle of a hairdresser that I just thought, boy, that would look good on me. So, you know, it's a who you listen to. And I think what the industry needs is leadership. And it's not one, it's many, many voices give you the most accurate information. It's the diversity of it, helping you make your own decision. Not just listening to one person or one business model, because if you emulate that, it may not work for you based on rent, teams, where you live. Uh, you know, if you're going to follow me, you better be in California. I'll tell you that right now, because the rules I got to play on are very, very different. Uh, you could be in a small town somewhere where minimum wage is $8. It's a game changer. So... Uh, nobody's here to tell you what you can or can't do. And I'm just grateful that I became a hairdresser. The thing I'm the most proud of is I got a license and I promised my school the day I left that I would honor them more than any other student ever had. And I, I feel quite comfortably I've done that and some. In fact, I've had one of my teachers came to the Braun and Brothers show and she told me, oh, you were like no other that ever came to school and never came after you. Uh, but I had a hunger on it. And the fact that I succeeded and got bigger rewards than I ever imagined I'd love ever to, to have a piece of that. And I'm forever grateful for my original uh, learning leaders that took me on a journey and Sundays held my hand to get me to the other end of it because I could have dropped out at any time. It definitely come up more than once that, you know, I need to maybe go make a living right now. I can't do this. We're not living. We're living on macaroni, uh, you know, but the reality is I persevered and it was the encouragement you got. Uh, everywhere in this industry, you'll always find people encouraging. But again, 
not everybody that's got a voice or a microphone is worthy of listening to either. So that's part of that filter you have to get. Uh, Mr. Trump would call it fake news. Uh, there is fake news out there even in the beauty industry. Um, you know, the, the reality is I have challenges as a salon owner. So if I have them, I figure everybody else does. So if it can happen to me, it can definitely happen to you. So I don't live in an ivory tower. My business is not, uh, you know, virus proof. That is for sure. Uh, in fact, I'm suffering probably worse than most salons. So uh, the reality is we're in this together. And if we use our commonalities together, we can make a big difference. But, you know, I'm just forever grateful to the beauty industry. Thanks to Paul Mitchell. And, you know, obviously they didn't do it all, Kelly, but uh, every show I walk off the front of the stairs to embrace the audience. I've stopped for pictures long before there was an Instagram. Sometimes there'll be lines to take just a picture of me at a show that would spend an hour and a half to two hours of my time. And yet I clearly remember walking up to Vidal Sassoon at a book signing, not even his book. And he stood there for six hours signing some other sucker's book. Uh, and I thought, oh my God, only a servant to the people would do that. Uh, the fact that they want my picture, I'm, I'm forever humbled. And if that's the least they can take home from our exchange, I'm happy to do it. And uh, you know it to be true. I've taken more pictures than any other artist in the industry. Uh, and with joy, uh, some guys go out the back door. I always go out and I want to meet the people, even if it's a bad show. Bad part. So I'm going to go meet the people. At least I have a chance to make it up. Uh, you know, the reality is uh, I love people. I love to light them up. I love to know how they think. And I think I have a good sense of that. And I love to be the conscience in their head to remind them what they're here to do. And I think I can have a powerful effect on people. And as I'm the kind of grand old wizard now, then kids like you and other people out there like Colin Caruso, my beautiful wife, uh, you know, Heather Kanoi, Noogie Tai, they've got their voice. And, you know, I may get the ultimate microphone MC, but they have so much to contribute. And I'm just saying, we're all kind of creating this love. It's all going down and everybody's getting a piece of it. And, um, you know, the, the beauty is watching everybody grow up to that next place. So, you know, I'm in my next generation. So I get to watch it from a whole different place. And people think I'm old and wise now. So, you know, I don't have to rely on some of my crazy sick jokes. Uh, I can just kind of go with it and speak from the heart because I've earned the right, Kelly. And everything I talk about is from experience. It's not books I read. It's nothing wrong with reading books. Uh, it's just my life experience. It's why I know people I can, you know, sum them up. And again, every one of you guys does this every day. You're looking that client up and down and you know more about her in three, four seconds than most people could uh, if they were living with her. So there's something beautiful about what we do. Don't take it for granted. And let's just think of what I started with the program with. You know, in this time of chaos, it's time for that price increase. It's a crisis with a price, and you better be nice. <laughs> uh, and if you do it well, and you understand what you're doing, you can create a whole different you. And, you know, it's not always about the dollars, but I just know that you've got to make a living, people. You've got to make a living. And, and, you know, it doesn't need to be your private jet. I'm not talking about that type of living. Uh, for some of you, sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year would be a fine living, depending on where you live. I'm not here to tell you what that is. Some of my working mothers, it's not even about the dollar bills. It's two same days at work that they feel complete over speaking baby language all week. Uh, they need it just as much. It's not for the paycheck, but I'm just saying, while we're here anyway, let's make the most of it. And as we move back with this new vision of ourselves, I think it's going to be probably the biggest progression the beauty industry's ever made in one solid step at a time. You know, we'll all make it together. 
And that would be an interesting thing to see because right now we've been a bit fragmented. And what I loved when I grew up is as much as many of the guys I looked up to represented other product lines, that was never our reason not to talk to one another. And I'm not saying, you know, we just got to, you know, get to know each other a little bit better. And, I, you know, I'm not talking about the profile on Instagram. I'm just saying these are the times that your mentors are so critical and the people that inspire you. Because if you're looking for guys like me to be inspiring, that means that people probably look up to you to be inspiring. And, you know, I know people listen to me and get excited, but I watched you in Hawaii a few short weeks ago, you know, blowing the socks off a crowd. Uh, you can do it just as hard as I can, if not better. And I think that's the joy that Vidal liked in watching me. It wasn't the way I cut hair, ladies and gentlemen. He did not look at the way I cut hair and said, you're the best haircutter I've ever seen. He told me I was the best person on stage he had ever seen. I'll take that compliment to the day I die. So every step of my life has been a gift, 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 gift. And all I plan to do in the rest of my remaining time on this planet is give a few back and whatever way I can do it. That's what we're, we're here to do. And I believe in that. Well, I thank you so much, man. I thank you for your time. And uh, let's, uh, let's run it back with the girls. Uh, I love you so much. 98.2 podcast, guys. The Kelly Cardenas uh, podcast. We love you so much. Have a wonderful day. And we will see you soon. Thank you, Robert. You're off the hot seat.